couple of, of weeks, we've been doing our, our gift series. And I just want to take a bit of time to just, to, just to close it up, really, if you haven't been following along. Um, our gift series is where we've been following the, the story of the, the, the three wise men, uh, or the three not-so-wise men, not from, uh, who came from the east now, not East Belfast, all right? So um, if you haven't really been able to, to follow up on that, you can do that. Um, on our podcast and so on as well. But I want to just take a bit of time. As you can see, there's the, the three gifts, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, or as when we did our walk through Bethlehem, someone says, apparently one of the gifts was uh, Skittles, I think someone said to me, or something else. So uh, when you do the college, well, I guess you're asking for it, really, when you, when you get the crowd to participate. Um, yeah, look, I want, to, I want to finish with a message that might in some ways seem unusual, to the, the usual Christmas, the Christmas messages that happen at a, either a carol service or a or Christmas Eve Eve or Eve service in any way. But um, how many know Jesus used a very unusual way to show his people that he loves them? I mean, when you read the Gospels, when you read the Scriptures, there's a lot of unusual ways that, that God moved, that, um, that prophetically, for example, these gifts that were very particularly to us, very unusual ways um, to show who Jesus was, but also his love for humanity. And just a bit of a recap, uh, over December, we'll have a look at this series, and we have been following the story where we see, uh, well, tradition tells us three uh, wise men, three magi or three Gentile uh, wise men, astrologers, that essentially, as you know the story, they follow along. But tradition says three. And actually, uh, scholars believe that there was more than three, that just because there's three gifts, that actually there was probably around a dozen. And these three gifts have, if you've been with us, they've been looking at, uh, they have both practical application and spiritual significance to the life of Jesus. Uh, you can see the, the frankincense that uh, well, I'll go to Matthew 2, 10 to 11 again, just to give you a bit of uh, context, is that the Magi, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Everyone say, bowed down and worshipped him. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about how uh, scholars believe to say that Jesus wasn't, in fact, baby Jesus as we know him, but he was more of a, of a two-year-old, a toddler. Now, that changes the whole story when you have... You know, wise men that come and bow down to a two-year-old. Again, um, not speaking about anybody has two-year-olds, you know the terrible twos. And that's like, what did I say? Uh, you don't negotiate with terrorists, right? When it comes to toddlers. So um, that changes the, the scenery. But um, again, frankincense, uh, we touched a bit on it uh, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, the practical application and the spiritual significance of frankincense represented Jesus as our high priest. That he gave his life um, for ours, but he sits now at the right hand of the Father. That, like incense, that as it was ministered to, administered, it, it, it rose uh, like a fragrance in the air. That it, it represents the prayers of God's people that rise to the throne of heaven and Jesus who intercedes um, on our behalf. That then God would draw near. Then we have myrrh, which is a gum like substance that represented Jesus as our suffering servant, the Lamb of God. And again, you can go back and listen a wee bit more because that also was used for um, embalming the dead and also was a, um, uh, has properties of, of 
well, I wouldn't say antibiotic properties, but uh, properties for um, sickness and, and healing as well. So we begin to see that actually Jesus overcame separation and brought reconciliation. You can go and you can, you can listen back over the past couple of weeks on that as well. But quickly, just the evening, this evening, I want to look at the gift of gold, okay? You and I know that gold in its rarity therefore holds a lot of value. And gold became the gift that scholars began to see was fitting for a king. And many scholars believe that gold that the wise men brought represented Jesus, represented and pointed to the kingship of Jesus as well. Okay, so if I had time, I really want to play a game, but I'll not really do that. But if I say, you know, Simba, what sort of king does that remind you of? Lion King, yeah. Uh, if I say a gorilla, King Kong. If I say a Whopper Burger, Burger King. Uh, yeah. And if I say scary novels from, from some of you guys who, this is a, Stephen, oh, that was a lot easier than I thought, okay. Stephen King. It's why for me, the message, the title of tonight's message is Jesus, a king like no other. In 1 Timothy six fifteen, it says, uh, when Paul was speaking to Timothy, it says this, for just at the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. You see, if Paul was saying that today, he'd be saying Jesus is king of King Charles. He's the Lord of the house of lords. He's the first minister to Northern Ireland's first minister, if we had one, all right? It's he is the one who directs, the one who orders. There's no one else more powerful, more wise, or in any authority than him. And yet, in this Christmas story, we find him wrapped in a manger. Jesus is a king like no other. You see, when Israel was expecting their saving king to come along, to be born, they were expecting him to be born in a palace surrounded by wealth. Instead, we find him born into poverty, surrounded by farm animals. When Israel was wanting him to become their next Messiah, their prophesied Messiah, their warrior king, he actually then gave his life for a ransom so that relational separation and captivity to sin would be overthrown. He came in a way that they didn't expect. And that's why we see Jesus as a king like no other. The other day when, uh, what day is the day? Friday. We're heading in that time where we're, you know, after between Christmas and New Year, we don't really ever know what day it is, you know. So um, the fact that I'm forgetting what day it is now, I have no hope in the next couple of days. So, but it was it was two days ago. Uh, I was driving and just driving through the town, and I was, you know, going in between different things. So it's obviously, you know, the traffic at Patrick is crazy as it is. But um, I don't know anybody have road rage in the room where you get cut off, you know. And well, somebody done a U-turn in the on, in the road. Not that none of us would do that, right? But they done a U-turn, and as I was coming up in my nice orderly fashion, uh, the car just had cut me off, and I was like, oh. you know. And I had known who actually from a distance. I know who, who the driver of the car is, and I know the person. And uh, obviously, my road rage was like, come on, you cut me off. And uh, then my views of this person obviously came to the surface as well. But as I drove up behind them, tailgating the car, I just thought, look at the dirt of that car. You know, it was all dirty, obviously, the time of year. And anyways, I then, we, we were tailgating the car again, driving through the town. And true story, uh, as we then, we came to, just in the traffic, I looked to, it was to the left, and in the, in the shop window, uh, we could see our reflections, and I heard the Holy Spirit say this, look at the dirt of your own. 
I thought, oh, anybody ever had a, a slice of humble pie or any, any of those and the Holy, the Holy Spirit comes along, right? You see, we make judgments in, in, in what we call maybe road rage or whatever it may be, but the heart comes to the surface. And what's really interesting is Jesus is a king that befriended prostitutes. He was a king that touched lepers. He loved those that the religious institution uh, outcasted and rejected and shamed. In fact, Israel never imagined a king would come that would surround himself with uneducated fishermen, despised tax collectors. They were expecting a king that would come for the shiny and new, but Jesus didn't come for that. Instead, he came to make the dirt in us healed and made new. That's what we believe and what we know in this message. In fact, what I love is that when we begin to look at the, the Gospels, we see Jesus was a king who befriended a woman caught in the act of adultery. Now, you have to know, this woman wasn't you know, accused hours or days later. No, this was in the act of adultery. Pilled out onto the streets. After the act of adultery, would have been naked and shamed. When a crowd was saying she should be stoned, Jesus said she should be forgiven. Jesus is a king like no other. And as I was just reflecting for and looking for, for this week, and even as we've been looking at this series, you begin to see three distinct responses to Jesus as king. When you look at the original Christmas story in the first century context, you will see three distinct responses. But also, I believe they still come 2,000 years later today, and I think you'll begin to recognize some of it. The first one is this. It's represented by King Herod, and it's Herod opposed Jesus as king. I don't know if you know much about Herod, but Herod was known to be a very paranoid and very ruthless and insecure leader. I'll not go into too much background, but as you know in the story, he ordered a decree that would have all the boys under the age of two in Bethlehem to be killed because it was prophesied that out of that region there would become a king that then would overthrow um, his kingdom. Now you may be here thinking, well I'm not no Herod. I've got a terrible two-year-old but I'm not no Herod. But I don't know if you're a bit like me. Who here is, believes they're right all the time? Anybody? A couple of laughs in the front row. Now spouses can't encouraged for your for the other halves okay anybody here believe my way or the highway anybody else like that right or only want life on your terms you see the moment we move from wanting to build God's kingdom to building our own kingdom we run the risk of opposing him you see sometimes unknowingly we are opposing Jesus as king by saying I'm not going to allow some either outdated book tell me how to live my life some church how to live my life. I'm not going to surrender my way. I'm actually going to do it my way or the highway because my way is the best way. Everybody, I've got the vision, right? Everybody else has to follow me. And then the second thing we begin to see is the Jewish priests dismiss Jesus as king. This is the second response. The Jewish priests didn't oppose him as king. They just dismissed him. In fact, they were more concerned about keeping the law and legalism because it reinstated their power and control in their ministry rather than then seeking the king of kings. What we begin to see is it's really interesting. The religious leaders of the day were very well known for quoting uh, an Old Testament passage in Micah 5.2 that actually prophesied there'd be a ruler that would come out from Bethlehem. Yet what we see is at the time of Jesus' birth, 
They were only five miles away from where he was born and yet they didn't show up to worship Jesus as king. How many times do we think, you know, I've been in the God squad for a long time now. The God squad, squad right? I've been, I do this important thing at church, so therefore I don't need to surrender the other parts of my life to him. In fact, that book, it's outdated. The, you know, I'll pick and choose what I want. It's not that we oppose Jesus, but it's just actually we just begin to dismiss. But actually, God wants to be king in every area of our lives. And then there's the wise men, which we've been looking at. And like I said at the start that I got you to repeat, the wise men bowed down and worshipped him. Everyone say, bowed down and worshipped him. Now, I know all of us are here because that's what we want in our lives. That's the thing that we gather for. That Jesus is king. I mean, anybody know, I know he's a bit crazy now, but Kanye West done a rap album about it for some of you younger crew. You're like, yeah, I know Kanye. Everyone else is like, I have no clue who that is. You're better off, all right, just then. <laughs> this is the, the daily aspiration for our lives, that we bow down and worship him. Like the wise men, we would begin to say that it's not about my kingdom, it's not about my desires and my plans, although they have a place, but he gets the first and final say. It's, it's moving from this place of, of, of seeking my own desires to lying prostrate before him. I mean, I don't know if you know, I think I maybe said this before, but the word worship in scripture is not always just about, you know, how we sing. But to, the word worship in the Hebrew and the Greek means to lie prostrate before the Lord. It's where we get obedience, where we get surrender from. But what's really interesting is, and I think we've sort of lost it just in our Western world and thinking, but... A prayer, the prayer posture for the early church and, and for Israel was actually to lie prostrate before the Lord. That's how they prayed. So when you begin to see that the wise men came to Jesus and they, they, they bowed down and worshipped him, it wasn't, here you go, your majesty. No, it was a, a lying prostrate before the Lord. Well, how do we know this? Because you only have to go and look at Psalm 99.9 where it says that we lie prostrate before his holy hill. I mean, it's not the proper um, reference of it, but you can go check it out. And it's one of those things in this season that we begin to look, that's our heart, that's our desire, that Jesus would be a king in every area of our lives. And I really believe that this, you know, this Christmas, that's actually what Jesus wants to do for you and I. That we would begin to see the areas of our lives that maybe aren't surrendered to him, surrendered to I mean, there's a sermon in itself that when the Magi traveled the distance they did as outsiders, and then there was the Pharisees who were the insiders that only have five miles of travel. For you and I, there's a, there's a thing about pressing in that whatever, how long the journey may be, however hard it may be, that we begin to get that place of lying prostrate before the Lord. I mean, all of us were about to head in, not to a week of prayer and fasting, but a week of feasting and entertainment. Now, that's not, that's not bad, by the way. I'm looking forward to it, right? And then the week after, we're going to go in there a week of prayer and fasting, okay? So. But one of the things, just as we're closing, is we, we can't lose sight this season. We cannot afford to lose sight in the midst of the busyness. We cannot afford to lose sight to go, what really is the reason for this season? What really is God doing in our midst? That prophetically, we begin to ask that. That when there's a lot of uh, things that are looking to fill the void, that actually we begin to go, Lord, what are you speaking that as we begin to have a bit of time off, why don't we ask, 
Lord, what are you speaking to me in this next season, this new year? That as we begin to wind down and begin to, to reset for a new year, Lord, what is it, what are the areas of my life that you want to begin to be king of that aren't yet surrendered to you? One of the things they often say about church Christmas services is they're, they're the hardest service to do of the year because they're just the passing through services. Anybody heard of that? Church services are just the passing through services. We have a, we have a worship leader in the making. Karina, you may watch out. He's coming for your spot. They say they're passing through services because everyone's just passing through. I mean, tonight all of us are just passing through. You're going home later on to, to think about defrosting the turkey if you haven't already. Or you're going to go do some last minute shopping because, let's face it, Amazon's not going to get it here in time by now, right? But that's what I want us to capture tonight. That's what I want us to pray for is that we don't just pass through. That we don't allow the Lord just to pass us by. That we don't just go through the motions. But that we allow the Holy Spirit to bring us into a fresh encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to ask you, is that what you're hungry for? A fresh encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That means that some things have to die. That means some things we have to let go of. But I really believe the Lord wants, that as we are wrapping up for this year, that he wants us to go, what can I be enthroned? What in our hearts can be enthroned by Jesus? What, can, what things in our lives does he need to be king of again? Because who is this king? This is the king they took 12 nobodies and made them somebodies. Well, we know what happened to one. It's a king who touched lepers. It's a king who opened blind eyes and raised the dead. It's a king that restored a woman caught in adultery and addressed the hypocrisy of the people nearby. And it's why I believe in this season, he's the king that has the power to bring revival to this area. That we would move from a, just a knowing about him as king of kings to experience him as king of kings. So as the, as the guys come back up, as we press into our last song, just as, we, as we're going to close, I want us to take this time to go, Holy Spirit, what is my default posture? Is there anything that is opposing him that's in me or is there anything that I'm dismissing so that I can get to a place of bowing down and worshiping him. Why don't you stand? Fiona, some of the guys actually read it out as well. This season, God is in the business of forgiveness. God's in the business of freedom, reconciliation of families. But more importantly, God is in the business of drawing close to you for you to encounter in his love in a fresh way. That regardless if you've been around the block, you're busy, whatever it may be, that right now in this moment, I want you just to, as we go into this, go in with an open posture, a heart of surrender and a heart of worship and say, Lord, I want fresh surrender of you. I want to be a people, I want to be a person that worships you in spirit and in truth, not just with my lips, but God in my heart. So Father, this evening, Lord, I just pray, would you come in a fresh way, Lord? You are King of Kings and you're Lord of Lords. You are the King of this nation. 
You're the counselor to our government. You're the king to our king. The Lord to our house of the Lord. Lord, you are above it all. And yet you're drawing close. So Father, tonight, will we know you closer than any other before. And Father, that we would experience a shift in this time of rest, in this time of Christmas, Lord, that we would know your power.